Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. As always, I'm your host and manager of the BT Powerhouse Podcast, um, and as well the managing editor of the site. But it is Wednesday evening, March 22nd. We are a day away from the 2017 Sweet 16. So uh, hopefully you're eating some candy or some ice cream right now, I guess, because it's uh, it's sweet. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, I mean, we have a a lot going on here uh, across um, the the Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, sorry. I'm trying to get my notes in order for the podcast. We, I'm hoping to have two or three guests on tonight. So a lot of last minute stuff, trying to make sure people can make it on. But uh, yeah, so I, you know, obviously a lot to talk about. Um, I want to spend a minute, or, just a brief minute or two, talking about last weekend. We're going to have months and months to talk about this season, what it meant for each program. I'm hoping to do sort of a, a in-depth podcast on each uh, Big Ten team after the season's done. But um, the reason I say that is just because we still have three Big Ten teams going in the NCAA tournament. And we also have one Big Ten team in the NIT, Illinois, playing tonight. But it, it makes sense to focus on those games, not talk as much about last week, just because, you know, it's still going and we we only have a couple more games left to preview, guys. So I, I don't want to focus on too much on those other teams. But uh, I appreciate all of you who are interested in in the rest of the league. And we uh, we certainly have a lot to talk about on, on that end. But unfortunately, not going to be as much about uh, that talk here. We I will try to answer a couple questions at the end. And I, I think I got at least one. Um, on some of the other teams who didn't make it to the sweet 16. So we will be talking about those as well. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> anyway, um, a good, a good bit of uh, material here and an intro. And I'm, I'm going to dive right into uh, my uh, analysis here. I'm totally losing tra- track of things. I'm, I'm a wreck today, apparently. <laughs> uh yeah, so so let's let's start. Let's jump right into things here. Um, going back to last weekend, uh, let's let's spend just a few minutes recapping what happened. Um, and of course, my computer is freezing up right now. As, as I said, this is just a mess. I'm a me- I'm a mess today. But we <laughs> we'll make it through. We'll make it through, guys. Hold on, hold on for a few more minutes at least. Um, of course, seven Big Ten teams end up making the NCAA tournament. Um, Purdue, Wisconsin, Maryland, Minnesota, Michigan, Northwestern, and Michigan State. Um, Only two Big Ten teams didn't make it through the first round this year. Those teams were Maryland and Minnesota. Maryland goes down to Xavier, who has since made the Sweet 16 after a dominant win over Florida State. Um, And the other was Minnesota, who went down to Middle Tennessee State. You know, both were disappointing losses, uh, specifically for Maryland, because they looked like they were in pretty good shape about halfway through the game. Um, I'm trying to pull up the in-game odds here from Ken Palm. But, yeah, with roughly 15 minutes to go, Maryland was sitting at 65% odds. And with about 14 minutes to go, they almost had 75% odds to win. And I know 14 minutes is an eternity in college basketball. We, we all know that. But uh, – you know, certainly the Terps were in good shape, 
you know, hoping to move on, hoping to advance to the uh, round of 32 for the second straight year. Um, but Xavier uses a huge, huge second half performance from uh, uh, Bluett. Big, big time game for him. You know, he finishes with 21 points, um, three or four rebounds, excuse me. Um, big, big game for him. And Maryland goes down. They finish the season at 24 and nine. Overall, a pretty, a pretty solid year. But um, again, we're not going to dive into these teams too much then. Minnesota, quote unquote, was upset against Middle Tennessee State. Um, Middle Tennessee was actually State, excuse me, was actually favored in Vegas. Um, and on our last podcast, I said that uh, it was shocking how close this one projected on paper. Um, so hopefully, a lot of you picked that in your bracket. Um, obviously, the Gopher fans were disappointed there, but like Maryland, very young team, the Golden Gophers. So a lot to be happy about this season, and a lot to be excited about going forward. And again, I know a lot of the fans, I'm sure, are down after losing to a quote mid-major, but Middle Tennessee State's a good team. Um, I think they would have beaten a lot of the big teams this year, so I wouldn't hang your head too far down. Um, So, again, uh, taking a step back, five Big Ten teams move on to the round of 32, um, and two of those teams go down in the round of 32. Those were Northwestern and Michigan State. Northwestern goes down to Gonzaga, Um, a one-loss Gonzaga team that has played uh, spectacularly over the course of the season. Um, The Bulldogs are a a great team. Um, There was some dramatic stuff at the end, undoubtedly a blown call against Northwestern, which may have changed the outcome. Personally, I don't think it did, but obviously it it kept things closer for a, a longer, it would have kept things closer, excuse me. It would have kept things closer for the Wildcats uh, to the Bulldogs, but Northwestern goes down like Minnesota, like Maryland, young team. They finished 24 and 12 first NCAA tournament appearance for the program. First, obviously first NCAA tournament win as they, uh, they get the first round win against Vanderbilt who conveniently blew the game at the end um, or at least their shot at it. So maybe that was a little bit of things coming back around for the Wildcats. Um, And then the other team who was eliminated was Michigan state. They score an absolutely dominant win over Miami in the first round to move on. Um, And after starting really, really badly. So big time performance from the Spartans in that game, but uh, they just didn't have enough firepower to get past Kansas. Josh Jackson was excellent. Um, Mason made some nice plays as well. And and that Kansas transition game just tore Michigan state apart in the second half. Um, You know, Bridges ended up with a big game, 22 points, eight rebounds in what, will likely be his last game as a Spartan, but just, again, just not enough, you know, with Graham Jackson, Mason for Kansas, just too much firepower for the Jayhawks. The Spartans finished the season at 20 and 15. Um, I'm hoping to have an article up in BT powerhouse in the next day or two about Michigan state season. I thought it was a pretty big disappointment given preseason expectations, but again, I'm not going to dive too much into that, but the Spartans don't have enough. They uh, lose in the round of 32, and they are out. They're done. Um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, so what that leaves us with is three teams moving into this week. Those are Michigan, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Um, I'm hoping to have a couple guests on here in in the coming minutes or so uh, to chat about, you know, what what it means, um, what to make of these teams' chances um, in the – uh, next two days, actually, Thursday and Friday, you know, obviously a lot of you will listen to this at varying times, 
but um, a lot, a lot to make of uh, these three teams, their runs. Um, I'm, I'm just going to start generally as some just general comments about the big 10, what they've done so far. Uh, big general point. I think the big 10 has had a great tournament performance. Um, you know, I've, I've said on this podcast uh, a few times that I thought the big 10 has underwhelmed significantly uh, overall. Um, and, and really, and not necessarily underwhelmed, but they just haven't been that great of a conference. Um, I know a lot of people are, might be grinding their teeth a bit about that, but the big 10 hasn't been the best conference in the country this year. And frankly, I think, I think the big 12 has been the best number one. I think the ACC has been number two. And then I think you have the big 10 and big East pretty close behind it, but the big 10 is a decent hung back from the big 12 and ACC. Um, I know the ACC has sucked it up in this year's NCAA tournament, but it's still a deep, deep conference. That many NCAA tournament bids, that many teams advancing to the round of 32 set, says something about the conference. And really they had a bunch of teams in the NIT uh, as well, or at least, you know, some teams who have had success in the NIT, I should say. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, but that aside, you know, and again, like I said, I don't think the Big Ten has been the best conference, but they've had a great performance in this postseason so far, and specifically this NCAA tournament. You know, to have, first off, to have three teams in the Sweet 16 that matches the nation's best. Nobody has more right now than that. Um, and you had five teams advance to the round of 32. I mean, that says a lot. And we should note that. Some of these teams who've made the Sweet 16 have knocked off some big-time teams. Really, actually, all three of the Big Ten teams. But, you know, starting with Michigan, they knock off a red-hot Oklahoma State team. And, and when I say red-hot, I'm talking offensively. Uh, just an absolute scoring machine. And then they knock off Louisville and Rick Pitino um, in a game that – I'm not going to call it a home game, but Louisville had a lot of crowd – a lot of fans in Indy. Excuse me. So, I mean – that's a big time win. Louisville won a lot of games this year. Uh, moving on to Purdue, you know, the first round game, Vermont, nothing too much there, but uh, to beat Iowa state, you know, an Iowa state team that just won the big 12 tournament. You know, I just talked about how highly I respect the big 12. That's a huge win for the Boilermakers and to beat them in, I mean, I would never call it a, uh, a, blowout or anything like that but they won that game you know it didn't come down to the last second there it wasn't a you know a buzzer beater or anything they won that game flat out and that's a huge win for the Boilermakers which we'll get into a little bit later but and then the last one Villanova or Wisconsin excuse me uh I, I got a little ahead of myself there you know they knock off Villanova the number one seed in the NCAA tournament this year that is a absolutely huge win there is there is no exaggerating on how big of a win that is you know what did Villanova lose three games this year in the regular season and the uh conference tournament yeah three games you know they're coming into that game at 32 and three that is like a fi final form resume I mean there are teams who win like if Michigan wins the NCAA tournament this year I don't even think they're gonna have 32 wins and Villanova had that uh, after the first round, that's just mind boggling. And Wisconsin takes them down in the shocker that, you know, frankly, just wrecked everyone's brackets. 
but yeah, so I mean, huge performance for the Big Ten. There is no exaggerating on from top to bottom just how much that meant. I mean, again, three teams to advance, and then you know Michigan State's dominating win over Miami. You know, Northwestern showing up well in the first NCAA tournament, and. Even to a certain extent, you know, a lot of people were down after Maryland lost to Xavier and Minnesota lost to uh, Middle Tennessee State, primarily because those are the, the first couple games in the tournament. But uh, neither of those losses were really that bad. You know, Middle Ten- like I said, Middle Tennessee State was very underseeded from an advanced stats perspective. You know, they ended up finishing seven spots behind the Gophers on Ken Palm. Uh, you know, Middle Tennessee ended up with uh, finishing the season at 31 and five. Obviously, just a uh, insane season there for uh, for them. And you know, you uh, you spin off of them, so to speak, and move to uh, excuse me, Maryland. You know, Xavier really put that to bed when they dominated Florida State in the uh, the round of 32 to make the sweet 16. So I I think when you take a step back there too, neither of those losses are really that painful. And then, you know, Michigan state, they lose to a number one seed and Northwestern loses to a number one seed. So, I mean, you never want to see the big 10 teams lose if you're rooting for, you know, quote unquote conference dominance, so to speak, but you do have to a certain extent have to acknowledge that, you know, losing to a one seed isn't exactly embarrassing especially for Michigan State and Northwestern teams that had to work to get into the NCAA tournament. You know, these weren't two and three seeds here. These were, I don't, I don't want to call them bubble teams because they weren't that close to the bubble, obviously. Um, otherwise they would have been the first four or a 10 seed or something like that. But um, these were teams that, that had a little pressure coming in the last week or two of the regular season. And um, to lose the number one seed, I don't think speaks that negatively towards their overall uh, performance or projections or, or whatever you want to uh, make along those lines, so to speak. But, uh, but yeah, so let's, let's dive into some of these teams. Um, and we're going to start, we're just going to go in alphabetical order here. And we'll start with Michigan and to help us break them down. We have uh, Adam on uh, from fan rag sports. Adam, how's it going? Doing well, Thomas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, excited to have you on. Um, obviously, you know, a lot going on this week with the Sweet 16. Um, the Michigan Wolverines advance, a team you're you're very familiar with, you know, having covered them this season. Uh, what what do you make of this run, and what do you make of this Michigan team right now? I'm I'm not surprised at all. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and beforehand, I feel, I I feel like the, the Big Ten tournament run really caught you know, raise a lot of eyebrows, turn heads, however however you want to say it. They they gained a lot of attention, but these guys were a good team before then, and I think that they proved that during some stretches during the regular season. I I still go back and look at that Indiana win. I still look at that Michigan State win. I mean, these guys have had it in them. I think it was just a, a timing thing, so I'm not surprised. I do um, think, however, I mean, Sweet 16 Elite 8 was, was the ceiling, I, th- I was thinking. So I do think – uh, and, I, and, you know, I don't want to hurt any Michigan fans' feelings here, but I, I do think it comes to an end this weekend. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you have to kind of look at there was a certain contingent that didn't like the job that John Beeline was doing. They wanted him fired. The team was garbage. And, you know, you, you heard you heard all the all the spiels out there. So 
Um, they played up to their potential. I, I think the, this was a team that was this good the entire time, and uh, it just needed some time to mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember thinking, and I remember we had discussed it earlier this season, the fact that, you know, if Michigan really plays their best game, they're going to be really, really tough to beat. And I think any of these games, going back to the Big Ten tournament or even, you know, late in the season, if you had told me, hey, Michigan, you know, beat Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, I'd say, okay, you know, they beat Wisconsin. Okay. Even Louisville, I would have said, okay, I could see that. But I don't know if I ever would have seen these all in a row. Um, has, has the consistency impressed you here over the last really almost a month now? Yeah. And you know, what I thought was even, um, kind of, we've heard all kinds of people, national media and, you know, uh, television, everybody praise the Wolverines. I, I heard one comment that I think really sticks out just because given, uh, who said it. And it was former Michigan state coach, Judd Heathcote. He was on with a uh, Graham couch. Jack Ebling yesterday on, on 92-1 in East Lansing, and he said that they he's watched all their tournament games. He's paid he's paid close attention to Michigan, and he said that they keep getting better and better. And that's the that's kind of like the, the unbelievable part. I'm not directly quoting him here, but something along those lines that he's just been so impressed. They just keep getting better and better. And um, while he doesn't think that they'll win this weekend, he said, "Who knows?" And that's kind of the factor I think. Too, I remember asking John Beeline during the season about having a team. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get. And now that you mentioned the consistency, I think they know what they're going to get now. And I think it's not uh, – they don't just have to rely on Derek Walton either. I mean, we've seen the emergence of, of Mo, Mo Wagner has kind of t- taken a, on a life of his own. And, you know, we've seen DJ Wilson play well. We've seen Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rockman play good defense and give him a spark. They're really a well-rounded team. I think that um, – I like thinking in terms of being complete, but I don't want to just throw around the complete tag all the time, but these guys have all the pieces I think that, that you want to look for in a dangerous tournament team. And, and they've, and they've shown it all, all throughout March. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you talk a little bit about how they, they have this sort of uh, uh, completeness, so to speak, or at least it, it's starting to come together here. Um, you know, let, let's take a step back here. And obviously, you know, you talked about Wagner, you talked about Walton. They have all these different pieces. You know, if you're an opposing coach. Look up there for a second. If I'm an opposing coach, what? Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I was gonna, if, if you're an opposing coach here, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you know, Michigan, they can beat, can beat you. Um, do you think there is a quote-unquote shut down Michigan offense? I don't know, and I'm sorry, you're going in and out here. It might be my connection. I, I don't think that there is one one way to shut down Michigan's offense. I mean, we we saw it. I mean, Derek Walton didn't have a great shooting night against uh, Louisville. What, what was it, 3 of 13 or something like that? I mean, he he influenced the game, but Michigan's to the point now where I think Mo Wagner can, can you know, be that guy. DJ Wilson can be, and they have been that guy. And, that, and that's, that's kind of like you said, going to that sense of completeness there. And that's the way that I look at them, that they have, they have enough. I mean, they're not, don't get me wrong here. I'm not crowning them national champions. Like I said, I think they lose this weekend, but um, given where they started and the perception and to where they are right now, and just the maturation of everybody. And like I said, it hasn't just been one guy. I mean, we, we've even seen Zach Irvin play well during March, which is a definite plus 
So I mean, there there is no one way to to shut down Michigan because they're gonna they're if they're not if, if you're gonna try to beat them in the perimeter, they can beat you inside with DJ and Mo, and they and they've proven that. Yeah, I agree. Um, but speaking of this weekend, you don't expect them to make it through. But uh, obviously, they open up with Oregon on Thursday night, um, playing in Kansas City. So I I'm not sure either team will have a a huge home contingent there. Um, what do you see out of this game? Is there anything that pops out to you um, and anything that fans should be watching for? Well, I think one thing that that does kind of stand out, and BYU mentioned this on Tuesday, and this might even be an advantage for Michigan, is that they're that in in a few ways, Oregon is similar to Louisville and is similar to Oklahoma State. And uh, BYU talked about how um, Oklahoma State it was running an offense uh, similar. I think he said it was it was exactly Johnny Orr, former Michigan coach, uh, Johnny Orr's offense. So it's, it's stuff that he was familiar with. It was stuff that he that he's able to counter, and I and I think that might be the case with Oregon. The only thing, I mean, a terrific guard tandem, right, with, with uh, Dorsey and Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey and Dylan Brooks. So that that's one thing that had me concerned about Michigan. Without having Chris Boucher in there, I, I think. You know that's a, that could be a plus for Michigan. It's not it's not a positive for for Oregon, obviously. So I mean, if, I'm not counting them out um, against Oregon by by any stretch. I mean, it it is a winnable game. But then if I, you know you look at the potential next opponent, and like you know I'm in love with Kansas, and I've I've said it a million times. Uh, Purdue is a very good team, and to beat Purdue three times in one year is is uh, I don't know if anybody's ever done that. I was looking up some stats. I mean Duke. A couple in that 15 run beat, uh, I think it was North Carolina State three times in one year, and uh, UConn. I'm forgetting the team had beaten had beaten some someone uh, three times in one year as well. So I mean, it can, it can be done. It's not impossible, and but I just think that the odds are against Michigan um, should it get past Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I I kind of agree. I I think it's going to be a uh... Big time shootout. I'm sure a lot. That's not a crazy opinion at all <laughs> or unique, but no. uh, I, I think Oregon and Michigan are going to be able to score with, with relative ease. Um, and, you know, obviously that backcourt for Oregon just is a absolute scoring punch, you know, Dorsey and Brooks, they both shoot over 40% from three, both really efficient Brooks, great passer. Um, if, if you, what, what is the X factor for you in this game? I mean, uh, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, it's going to be a shootout, but, you know, obviously somebody has to win at the end. Um, what what do you think Michigan has to do to win besides just, you know, score a bunch of points, I guess? One one advantage, and, you know, I've been thinking about this for the past couple of days now, ever since, you know, it was the, when Oregon beat Rhode Island we, and we knew Michigan would be playing. And I keep looking, and I don't know if it's just like it's to my own detriment, but I really want to say Zach Irvin. If Zach has one of the, I mean, and it hasn't been even by any stretch, but I mean, if you you know what I'm talking about. If we get that, mm-hmm. if you see that type of Zach Irvin, then I think Michigan can win the thing. Oh, beat Oregon because he can kind of compete. He can help him a little bit if they have to go inside because Zach does have some size and he, you know, prior to prior to DJ, um, I remember Zach telling me, you know, that he. He had been used to having to to check bigger guys because they didn't really have that size. So now, uh, you know, they doesn't have to do that on a regular basis, and maybe teams aren't scouting them for that. Maybe that can be kind of a flex point for for them. 
I mean, they get they get a four, you know, 13, 14 point night from Zach Irvin, and, and the rest of everybody has done what we've seen them do. I think that that could be be the tipping factor because I do think it's going to be an even game. So what you know, my mm-hmm. factor, what's going to set them apart? Well, I think I think a, a good night from Zach. It doesn't even have to be a great night. A good night from Zach Irvin could tilt the balance for Michigan. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one because you know I think when you sit back, Irvin's probably. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on what lineup Oregon throws out there. But, you know, with Boucher out, I I would guess uh, Irvin's going to get some serious time on Brooks. Um, and if not, certainly on Dorsey. So uh, defensively, I'm speaking. So that that will be an interesting yeah. one. And obviously, if if Irvin could even slow down either of those guys, that would be massive for, for Michigan's chances um, to come out on top. Uh, but, um, you know, assuming – Michigan gets passed, which is a huge assumption. You know, if, if you're a believer in Ken Palm, Oregon's favored. They have a 52% chance to win. So it's a coin flip, but uh, they're the advanced stats favorites coming in. So big, big assumption here. But if Michigan makes it past, they most likely get Kansas, maybe Purdue. Um, and for our listeners, we'll get to Purdue here in a couple minutes. But uh, um, assuming they get Kansas and, and sort of uh, it goes chalk the other side, um, what what are you watching for? Obviously, uh, you like Kansas, and certainly Big Ten fans are aware that another Big Ten team just just played the Jayhawks and lost. But uh, what how do you see that kind of matchup shaking out? I don't think anybody's going to beat Kansas this year. I mean, my bracket has been <clears throat> dismantled, but I'm kind of proud of it in a way because you know we've seen. Uh, these have all been close games, you know what I mean, with the exception of, uh, what was it, Xavier blowing out Florida State. So good job, Seminoles. Uh, thanks for that. <laughs> but other other than that, um, I've, I've, I've been pretty steady. I don't think any anybody's going to beat Kansas. I, I really don't. And I was really impressed with the way that they shut down because Michigan State played a pretty good game, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, 70% of that game Friday night, St. Patrick's Day. It's not like it – the score can be a little bit deceiving. And I think what I really liked about Kansas was Kansas was one of those teams. They, they see you're getting weak. They, they sense a little, they sense a little bit of vulnerability. Bam, they pounce. Josh Jackson compounds. Frank Mason, the third compounds. I like Devontae Graham. They really, they have that quality to where I feel like they can put you away. And that's, uh, uh, that's valuable this time of year. You know, I mean, you only, it's not a, it's not okay. Well, we can try to get them next time, and there is no next time. This this is it. So, um, I do I do like Kansas, and that's and that's why. And, it, and it's not just I mean matchup wise, Michigan versus it's anybody versus versus Kansas. And I mean I know that Michigan mm-hmm. State didn't have a great year, but they. I mean it was pretty impressive to see them beat Miami by 20 in the first round, and I didn't see that coming. I thought the Hurricanes would win that game, and then uh, to to see them go and. Uh, at least compete for a little bit against Kansas before Kansas was able to, like I said, open that up. So that's, that's what I like about the Jayhawks. And, you know, my bracket is really hoping that that's what they do for the rest (laughs) of the way. Certainly. Yeah. I I took a huge hit with uh, Duke going down last weekend, but I won't get into that. Uh, (laughs) I don't think Villanova did anybody any, any favors either. We could probably go down, we could probably go down the board here and, uh, uh, I thought Seton Hall was going to be Arkansas. I mean, there's there's all kinds. That was a close game. I mean, the Vanderbilt Northwestern game that was a close game. I oh. picked Vanderbilt. So, um, you know, all, all those little. If if you're wrong on some of those games, I feel like you shouldn't you shouldn't feel too bad because 
uh, literally they came down to like one possession on, on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know the first day I kept getting burned by those near upsets. You know, I had UNC Wilmington yeah. and they all, they almost win and then they go to Virginia wins and it's like, Oh geez. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously it's a tall task for Michigan this weekend to get, uh, to make it to the, the third week of the tournament. Um, but let's, let's play, uh, the, the hypotheticals here and let's say Michigan, you know, does beat Oregon. Um, they get through either Kansas or Purdue, uh, at least on paper, Kansas. Um, they make it to Phoenix. They get to the final four. Um, what, what would that mean for this program? Um, and frankly, what would even getting to the elite eight mean for, for John Beeline, for the Wolverines and um, to have another shot at getting to the national championship game and, and potentially pulling it off this year? Well, of course, you know, there, there's a premium of the final four. I mean, that's just, and it's like almost, you don't have to win it just getting there. Uh, I mean, we tip, we hear Michigan State, you know, it's like, I mean, Izzo, seven final, he's only won it one time, but, you know, it's just getting there. Um, so I think, you know, that of course it's going to be a feather in the cap for Beeline, and he would certainly deserve it, a wonderful coach. I can't can't say enough great things about what he did for them. So, I mean, I think uh, this year and, and has, uh, since he's been in Ann, Ar- Ann, Ar- uh, Ann Arbor, sorry there. Can't. <laughs> I tried to miss without stuttering one time, and it just can't happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be it'd be a milestone moment. Uh, getting to the elite eight would be big too. Uh, but I think there's no shame in, in how far they've gone right now, and that's um, that's kind of a point that I've also made. You know, like discussing it with people on Twitter. You know, and thanks for everybody interaction on that, and and you know, in writing, I. I just don't we've we've seen so much and you know you've paid very close attention covering them as well you know you know what this year has been so I mean just the just the fact that we're talking about them potentially getting in the third week and the fact that we're talking about them uh you know maybe playing Kansas or Purdue and the fact you know we're talking about Sweet 16 right now I think that in itself is something that that they should be proud of so I mean if there is a chance that they get to Kansas and the and the stars align, or uh, Phoenix rather, and the stars align. They get past Kansas, and somehow, because my my final four is Kansas, Kentucky, Villanova, Arizona. That was the that was the first one. I think now when I did my second chance, um, I have Wisconsin in there. But let's say by some stroke of luck, Michigan gets in there and faces either Arizona or Wisconsin. Well, Michigan would have had already beaten Oregon, which hung uh, with Arizona. I think they only lost by three and maybe can deal with the tempo. You know, Arizona can score one, you know, fast Pac-12 teams. Maybe you see Markinen and Mo Wagner or, or DJ and, and Markinen. And then, or Wisconsin, let's say Wisconsin beats them. So, I mean, if, 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 if hypotheticals all the way, Michigan, Wisconsin, somehow in the national championship, then Michigan, I, I, I'll take Michigan in the national championship. I'll stretch it that far. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> going out on a limb here. Uh, and that's as, that's as far as, <laughs> as far as on the, I think that's as far as out on a limb as that you can go. But I mean, yeah, we've uh, we we've seen we've seen some things happen in the tournament. But I mean, the, uh, you know, uh, joking aside, just even getting to the final four. I mean, if, it, if they beat Kansas, I'll be I'll be shocked. And if you say that you knocked off Kansas, a team that was favored to win a national championship. You know, people people are talking about them uh, winning it all. That that just adds to it. Or if you beat Purdue again, like I said, you beat them three times in one year. Uh, that's huge bragging rights. And the, and the Big Ten's done very well 
and the tournament this season too. So, I mean, you score a win over your own conference in the tournament, that's just kind of a, a double bonus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I think it's, it would be hard to complain about much. Um, I, I'm on board. I, I think Michigan's going to make it through Oregon. I think it's going to be a very close game. Wouldn't be shocked if it went either way. Um, but I, I do think they're going to fall short against Kansas. I, I think their athleticism is just unreal. Um, and it, stopping them in transition is just such a task. I mean, Michigan State did it for a while, but once once that train gets rolling, it's it's hard to <laughs> get back on board. Um, but uh, but Adam, thanks thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, and where can people check out your stuff? Uh, you could check out uh, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Big Ten, all kinds of stuff. Michigan baseball, uh, Wolverines, very good at baseball. Uh, Michigan football pro day tomorrow, so I'll have all that at fanraxsports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at AdamBiggers81. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Adam. We appreciate it. And no problem, Thomas. Anytime, man. Um, and as a reminder, everyone, that was Adam Biggers, writes for FanRag Sports. He covers uh, both Michigan and Michigan State. A lot of great stuff. Um, but with that, we'll move on to our next team, uh, which is Purdue. And we have uh, Casey on from BT Powerhouse, one of our writers. Casey, how's it going? Very good, sir. Very good. Yeah. Happy to, happy to have you back on here um, as, we, as we roll on our Sweet 16 preview. Um, let's – Let's just, uh, you know, we talked about what happened last weekend. Let's just jump right into here on Purdue. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about Kansas, so we're not going to talk about it as much. Um, but what do you make of this matchup with Purdue and Kansas? Um, and can the Boilermakers pull off the upset? Um, as much as I'd like to see it, you know, I don't really see it happening. Uh, they played two close games so far. Uh, you know, Iowa State almost came back in uh, the round of 32 there. But – Honestly, I think they're only going to go as far as Swanigan can take them, and, and he's played very well so far. Uh, and who knows? It, in a tournament, it's always about the team who has the best player. And, um, you know, Kansas Jackson is very good. But Swanigan is, is also, uh, you know, a standout. So I think if they do have a chance, it's going to go through Swanigan if he can carry them. Then, yeah. Uh, but – if I had to bet, I would say no. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. I feel like uh, you know you have to start you have to start out. Any reasonable person will tell you Kansas is a better team than Purdue, top to bottom. You know, you take player for player, uh, depth, lineup. You know, whatever whatever you want to break down, Kansas is going to come out on top of Purdue. I mean, there's just no way you can have watched any college basketball this year and think Purdue is a better team. However, however, this is why we play the tournament. All you have to do is be better for 40 minutes. You don't have to do it for a week, not a full day, just a 40-minute game and come out on top. I mean, obviously, if the better team won every time, the one seeds would be in the Final Four every year. So, so I, But my point here, though, isn't to just talk about how the tournament works, but to say, you know, Purdue's going to have to play above their usual play. Kansas is going to have to play play below their usual play. I guess to put it put it simply, and you know none of this is rocket science that I'm that I'm pointing out here. But I, I would say we have to start with that. So how does Purdue beat Kansas? Um, I, I think the first thing you got to dominate possessions. 
You got to dominate the boards. You know, Kansas is actually a pretty weak defensive rebounding team. Maybe Purdue can exploit that. You know, maybe Vincent Edwards can come up big. Caleb Swanigan, obviously. Um, you know, if you can maximize some possessions, that's huge. And the other thing, uh, you know, Casey, you just got with us, but uh, I was talking about in our, our Michigan-Kansas scenario, so to speak, was that Kansas is a big transition team, big in transition. If you're minimizing those defensive rebounds, you're taking or you're getting minimizing their defensive rebounds, excuse me, um, and you're getting offensive rebounds and offensive boards, you know, they're not going to be able to get out and transition as much. And especially if you score, you can get back on defense. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting, you know, because uh, there's always a decision to be made with a team that's really good in transition. And your question is, do you want to crash the boards? Or do you want to make sure that your guards play back and guard the transition game? Um, if you're Purdue, I feel like that decision is going to determine the outcome of this game. Do you play your style of basketball where you crash the boards, you try to get every extra offensive board you can, um, or do you want to say, you know what, they're just too big of a challenge. We're going to have to play off a little bit. Our guards, they're going to have to run back down to try to stop them. Um, what, Casey, what, what are your thoughts on it? Personally, I say play your style, do what got you here, and just crash the boards. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I feel like Kansas's uh, guards and wing players are definitely you know a step above uh, Purdue's. So Purdue is a, definitely a good rebounding team. They have Swanigan, they have Haas off the bench. Uh, like you said before, you know, dance with the girl you came with. So play <laughs> how you played all year. Um, another big thing is I, they 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 only shot 30% from three-point last game. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Klein has only had five points in the, in the, uh, three points in the entire tournament. If he can, you know, he shot 40% this year. If he can hit some shots, if they can get a couple other guys going from the outside, that would be key. You said it before. They need to play not perfectly, but, you know, a, a, a better game than they have all year. So, they definitely need shots to fall. They definitely need to uh, beat Kansas, move to lose, do, do all the little things. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as well, I think that that's, I, I feel like it doesn't necessarily determine whether you, I mean, it does, but it doesn't, it doesn't determine whether you win or lose the game. That's just your strategy going in necessarily if you want to play off or you want to score. Um, but I, I feel like the determining factor overall, as, as I said, you know, I think you've got to go with what got you there. I think that's your best strategy, but I feel like the true determining factor is going to be how are you going to guard Frank Mason? Because I, I feel like Purdue has some guys, I'm not going to say can shut down at all, but I feel like they have some guys who can play on Josh Jackson. I think Vincent Edwards will be able to hold his own for stretches. I feel like, you know, having that front court of Swanigan and Haas is going to protect the rim for the most part, but I feel like, Purdue is going to have to figure out how they're going to guard Mason. Are they going to put Thompson on him? Are they going to play Matthias on him? Um, I'm not sure because I, I feel like, you know, with that, you also got to worry about Graham. I feel like Graham is the guy that you're, they're going to put Matthias on. And I feel like you glue Thompson to Mason and he's going to have to hold his own. Um, Casey, do you think, uh, not, excuse me, not Matthias, Thompson would be up for that task? They're going to need him to be, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know we we won't see until until Friday. I think the game is Friday um, and Thursday. The game's on Thursday. Um, 
they're going to have to. Like we like like we talked about the Kansas's uh, backcourt is you know one of the best in the country. Uh, that's what's got them here. So someone's going to have to step up. And, and like you said, even if it's only in, in spots, a guy here, a guy there. Matthias is a good defender. He was an All Defensive uh, selection. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, and, they can slow him down. Oh yeah, I I agree. Um, and I I apologize to Purdue fans. Um, we're not going to go in depth as much about Purdue and that's not because we have something against Purdue but just because when we talked about Michigan we previewed basically all the same teams Purdue would face (laughs) Um, so it doesn't make any sense to tell you about Kansas twice Um, but uh, Casey uh, two two quick questions on Purdue before we move on Um, then we're going to have we're going to have another guest joining us shortly but um, first off if uh, Purdue does beat Kansas um, I, and again, we don't really need to talk about a Michigan-Purdue game. We've seen it twice before. Um, but what would a Purdue-Oregon game look like, first off? And second, if Purdue could get past Kansas and or get past Oregon to the Final Four, um, what would an Elite Eight or a Final Four appearance mean for Purdue? Well, c- coming into the Big Dance, uh, I felt like Purdue gave us the best – well, as a Big Ten, gave them the best chance for a, a Final Four team. Uh, you know, so far they haven't let us down. Um, mm-hmm. If they do play Oregon, they are down a player. Uh, Chris Boucher is not – he's out of the lineup. Uh, he ain't coming back. But they've done a good job, uh, you know, getting by in both rounds. But they almost lost to Rhode Island. Um, I don't see – if they, I I believe in Michigan. I think Michigan is going to ride this uh, – this momentum they have, but if they do play uh, Oregon, I think Purdue matches up very well. I think uh, that's a game that Purdue could win. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how long it, it how long it's been since Purdue's gotten this deep, but it would mean a lot for the program and for for Matt Painter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. You know, to start off with Oregon, you know, I I already said a couple minutes ago, I think uh, Michigan will beat the Ducks, but that. That aside, if Oregon did take down Michigan, which is certainly possible, um, I think Purdue actually matches up pretty well against Oregon. Um, typically, in today's college basketball, you're, you know, typically your offensive power, three-point shooting teams are your, are your top teams. But Purdue is going to be a totally different team. It will be night and day, you know, Jekyll Hyde, whatever you want to come up with for how you want to phrase this. But it will be like oil and water. Purdue playing – and I know Purdue shoots threes. I know sometimes it gets over-exaggerated, but Purdue's going to try to score inside. Oregon's going to try to score outside. Um, but the one thing that I think Purdue has is, first off, they will have a huge advantage inside, both literally and figuratively. Um, but second, Matthias on Dorsey is a great matchup. I think Matthias will slow him down significantly, and I think that would be a uh, – a spot where Purdue can really take advantage. You know, I think Matthias is a great defensive matchup for Dorsey, not to say he can shut him down again, but I think he can slow him down enough to where Purdue will be able to overcome it, especially if they can get some of Oregon's big guys in in foul trouble, you know, as the ducks are a little thin there. Um, If Purdue did get the win um, to make it to a final four, or even get into an elite eight, I, I think you'd have to regard this as one of painters best seasons, undoubtedly, certainly one of the best seasons for Purdue and, a long time, uh, maybe even going back to Glenn Robinson when he was there. Um, and I, and I think overall, uh, Purdue fans, 
even even now you have to be pretty proud of this team. But if they if they could pull off another win or two this weekend, you'd have to feel great. Um, I don't think they would have great chances in the Final Four to come home with the title, but uh, a Final Four would obviously obviously speak for itself. Um, but with that, we do we do have a, another guest on here tonight. We have uh, Tony Patelis, uh, who is a great Twitter follower for everyone. Uh, Tony, how's it going? Good, Tom. How are you, man? Good, good. Just uh, chatting about some of these Sweet 16 games. Um, we were just finishing yeah. up talking about Purdue. Um, what, what do you make of this Purdue-Kansas game tomorrow night? Um, and what do you kind of make of the Boilermakers here uh, heading into this weekend? Well, I love what I see from Purdue. You know, I think it's a it's a not a bad matchup. Um, Swan again, obviously, is going to be a major problem for the Jayhawks. I think um, Kansas has not done well against big men this year. Um, they've had some some issues. Um, you know, they're 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 slim up front. You know, behind Landon Lucas, there's not much. Uh, Carlton mm-hmm. Bragg hasn't given them much of late. Um, so I think Swanigan is definitely going to be a problem. Um, but it, again, it's it's trying to slow down. You know, Frank Mason. At Justin Jackson and Devontae Graham, uh, Kansas relies so heavily on those three guys. So if, if Purdue can somehow limit one of them, I think they have a pretty good chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time on the, uh, the, the Midwest. Yeah. The Midwest bracket or region, I should say mm-hmm. uh, so far tonight, you know, obviously Michigan's in there and Purdue is in there. Um, so we've talked about Oregon. We've talked about Kansas. Uh, all the Big Ten fans know, obviously, what a Michigan-Purdue game would look like. Um, but if there's a couple facts fans should know about Oregon or Kansas going into tomorrow, uh, what what would you make those out to be? Um, Oregon is an excellent offensive team. Um, you know, they have a lot of weapons. You saw what Tyler Dorsey did the other night. He was excellent. Um, he was like 9 of 10 from the floor. Dylan Brooks is one of the best players in the country. You know, Jordan Bell up front is one of the most underrated big men I feel in the country. I just feel like Oregon, it's, they're not the same team with Chris, without Chris Boucher. He does so much for them. You know, uh, he can stretch the floor. And as much as I love uh, Bell, he, he just can't do that. So um, it's going to be tough for Michigan to, to limit all those weapons. But, you know, Michigan, I feel they're on a destiny run, honestly. So um, <laughs> I'm picking the Wolverines. I really do. You know, I think Walton has been – maybe the best player in this tournament. He's averaging like 19, seven and five playing out of his mind. So I, I love watching the Wolverines right now. I think they're, I think they're going to win this game, but I think it's going to be very highly competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a lot of offense, which, which would make things exciting for fans. But uh, I was going to ask who you thought was going to come out of the, the bracket, but obviously you answered it. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump yeah. over to our, uh, our final big 10 team, which we really haven't talked about much today. Um, that's Wisconsin. They're playing in the East, uh, in Madison Square Garden, um, which will thoroughly be disappointed that Duke and Villanova did make it, but too bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, they are going to get Florida on Friday night, and should they beat Florida, they're going to get Baylor or South Carolina, which I'm sure everyone had in their bracket. Um, what do you, what do you make of this, what do you, what do you make of this region, and uh, what do you make of the Badgers right now? Well, you know, I love their experience. You know, I never count out Wisconsin. Koenig and Hayes, as we know, have been in so many big games. Um, and, and we saw Bronson Koenig again come up big uh, for the hundredth time, it seems like. So um, I just love their experience factor. Um, I, I think this matchup with Florida is going to be a, a little bit more difficult, maybe even than the Villanova game, because Florida's got some really good length up front athleticism. So they might have some issues with that. 
Um, you know, looking at the other matchup, I mean, I don't think anybody had, you know, South Carolina in the Sweet 16. Um, Baylor is a different story. They're playing pretty well right now. I like that matchup, too. I think it, it makes for a better tournament when we see some new teams and some new blood, you know, advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's uh, it definitely gets kind of stale when it's North Carolina Duke. Uh, yeah. All these teams over and over again. So it's nice. It's nice to know um, that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about that. Somebody's getting their first Final Four as a coach out of that region. Um, so yeah. congrats, congrats to someone on uh, Sunday night, I guess. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think this Florida game is going to be really challenging. Um, the thing about mm-hmm. the Gators, obviously, they've had a coaching change recently. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Big Ten fans are familiar with Billy Donovan. Obviously, his success speaks for itself. He's in the NBA right now. Um, what, are the, what are the differences between Donovan and White um, that fans would notice on the, on the court here on uh, Friday night? You know, I don't think there's much, honestly. I think it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty – Pretty familiar, even like roster-wise. This Florida team really reminds me of some of Donovan's teams. Um, you know, length, athleticism up front. You know, they're really good defensively. They create turnovers. Mm-hmm. So I think you're, it's almost like a mirror image of a of a Billy Donovan team, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like this game is going to be the opposite of the Michigan-Oregon game. So if you're looking for the excite, <laughs> excitement, watch on Thursday night, not Friday, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Wisconsin. You know, Florida, I feel like has a guy at every spot who can match up pretty well on defense. Um, you know, Robinson's yeah. great. Barry's great. Um, it's going to be very difficult to score. Um, but Wisconsin has their secret weapon in big games, which is, uh, Koenig. Uh, what do you, what do you make yeah. of his play so far? Uh, he's done what he's done his whole career. Pretty much. He's, he's making big shots and, and Wisconsin always seems to, you know, make you play at their pace. And they did that against, mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, excuse me, against Villanova. They absolutely destroyed Villanova in the paint. Um, you know, they were like fifth, they shot 53% field goal percentage, but they were like six for 18 from three <laughs> and seven of 16 from the free throw line. And, and they wow. turned the ball over like 15 times and they still won the <laughs> game and they beat one of the best teams in the country. So, um, you know, Wisconsin will find a way. They always seem to, to, to keep themselves in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, as a little background for what this matchup's going to be like, you know, Wisconsin did such a good job inside on Saturday against, you know, don't don't get me wrong, Villanova's a great defensive team, uh, but yeah. Florida Florida really good inside on defense. They're 30th nationally mm-hmm. in, in two point defense. Um, opponents only get like 50 percent of their points from two point range, which is pretty uh, pretty low, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Badgers will have some work to do there. Uh, but if, if Wisconsin should take down Florida and they get, which I would think Baylor will advance out of that game, but uh, who knows? Uh, what, what do you make a, poten- a potential Wisconsin Baylor showdown? And, you know, if, if the Gamecocks do the unthinkable and, and win again, um, what would you make of a, a Wisconsin's uh, South Carolina elite eight game? Well, I certainly think Wisconsin matches up better with South Carolina. Um, you know, Ethan Happ's one of the best big men in the country. But other than that, you know, they don't have that much up front. You know, Nigel Hayes um, is obviously a very good player. But I think matchup-wise, it's better for South 
Wisconsin to match up with South Carolina. Baylor's just got so much up front. Um, you know, we know Jonathan Motley is one of the best big men in the country. And Terry Maston, um, their, their other big man there, he, he's averaging 19-9 and nine in this tournament. So um, they're getting a lot from him. Um, they're playing really good defense. So um, I think the, Wisconsin would definitely have a tougher time with Baylor um, than South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I, I'd agree. I, I feel like if you're a Badger fan, be uh, root for South Carolina all you can. Uh, maybe yeah. go decked out in gear. I don't know. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll reserve some more Wisconsin talk for uh, for after uh, Tony Tony gets off with us. If you're a Badger fan listening, um, but I, I wanted to take a step back and and talk a little bit about the tournament at large. Um, have mm-hmm. Have there been any big surprises for you? Obviously, there've been upsets, but um, anything that has surprised you. Um, or anything that you're really looking forward to here uh, this weekend and, and next weekend as well? Yeah, you know, there, unfortunately, as we know, there hasn't been a lot of upsets this tournament, um, and, and that's always kind of uh, upsetting. But, you know, it definitely makes for better <laughs> matchups later. Later, um, You know, I think the biggest surprise would maybe be Xavier advancing. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm. they should build Chris Mack a statue because that team was dead, dead and buried um, a few weeks ago. And I do think they got a good draw with Maryland and Florida State, but still I think Xavier getting to the Sweet 16 is pretty surprising. Um, and, and, you know, the, the thing that I wanted to mention real quick is the fouling. Mm-hmm. It, it's just mm-hmm. an unbelievable amount of, of fouls called. I, I, I tweeted this out the <laughs> other day. There, there was 549 fouls called in the second round. Wow. I mean, that's averaging 35 fouls per game. I mean, it, it just really frustrates wow. me. I'm sorry to even mention <laughs> it, but it's just like, it, it just, it's getting out of control. And, and I hope, you know, they, the refs let these kids play a little bit more later in the tournament. Mm, yeah, especially, I mean, I know it happens every year, but, but some of the blown calls last weekend were just mind-boggling um, and, yeah. and really ha- had a big impact in the, the outcome of the games, which is not something anybody likes to see. Uh, so that, yeah. that's obviously frustrating. Um, but I just wanted to hit you w- real quick on uh, two, two final questions here before we let you uh, head out. Sure. Um, two, two, uh, the first, uh, Illinois uh, made a big move. Uh, they hired Brad Underwood as the new coach. Um, obviously, you're a guy who, who really uh, pays attention to college basketball at large. Um, what do you make of Underwood, uh, and, and what kind of hire is this on the, the national scene? I think it was a grand slam. I mean, I really do. Um, I think Oklahoma State, um, you know, underpaid him, and that's why, you know, he probably bolted. But, you know, I I love it. I think Brad Underwood's a a tremendous coach. I don't think anybody expected Oklahoma State to be an at-large NCAA tournament team this year, and and they turned out to be. Um, You know, you see what he did at Stephen F. Austin, you know, winning, winning the Southland Conference, you know, I can't even tell you how many years in a row. Um, so I, I think uh, Illinois couldn't have done better um, with this hire. And I think as long as, you know, he can get that recruiting landscape in Chicago, um, he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in total agreement. I think, I think it was an absolute uh, grand slam. Uh, and then, and then the other one, um, Indiana, they, they let go of Tom Crean. They're still in the, the midst of their search, uh, at least as far as the public is aware. Um, <laughs> what, what do you, what did you make of the Tom Crean firing? Um, I guess the Tom Crean era and uh, you have any, any speculation on who you think the Hoosiers should go after? Well, I think it's going to be Alford. Um, that's just my gut feeling. 
I think uh, he's the guy. Um, I, I heard Billy Donovan uh, as well, but I mean, I don't know if, if he'll come back to college that quick. I, I don't know how he feels about the NBA, but um, I was kind of against the Tom Crean hire, uh, firing. Honestly, I think this year he somewhat should have gotten a pass. I mean, losing Colin Hartman uh, preseason, then you know you lose a guy like OG Ananobi um, to a torn ACL. James Blackman just doesn't seem to be the same player, you know, with all his knee injuries. So I feel like he should have uh, maybe gotten another year. You know, the last five years they've been to three Sweet Sixteens, two Big Ten titles. Um, and I understand Indiana has, you know, high expectations, but um, I, I don't know. I, I thought he should have, uh, you know, got at least one more year to maybe work things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in, it, it was interesting. I, I know I had said before uh, they had fired him, um, I thought it could have easily gone either way. I thought there was enough reasons to fire yeah. him and enough reasons to keep him, but uh, obviously they let him go. But, uh, but Tony, mm-hmm. thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. And uh, where can people check out your stuff? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at College Hoop News. Um, I also do, uh, you know, a few periscopes a week. Uh, we have College Hoop chats. Uh, feel free to join in. Um, I usually do them on Wednesday nights at 6:30 Eastern Time and Sunday nights at 7:30 Eastern Time. Actually, with uh, the Sweet 16 going on, I'm going to actually do one tonight at 8 p.m. So if you want to catch that after the podcast, uh, come on and join us. Excellent. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. All right, Tom. Thanks, man. Have a good night. <laughs> Um, and as a reminder, everyone, that's uh, Tony Patelis. Uh, he, he's, he's kind of a free agent, so to speak, but huge college basketball fan. Anything you want to know, he, he's in the loop. One of the most knowledgeable guys you will ever see uh, on college basketball and, and a really nice guy as well. But um, as, I, as I promised everyone, uh, I, I just wanted to ask him a, a couple of coaching issues just because, uh, um, like I said, he has such a national perspective. It's interesting to, to add to the conversation. But uh, I wanted to spend a little bit more time on the Badgers before we, uh, we end the podcast tonight um, and, and really just talk about what it would mean if the Badgers do uh, get past Florida and or get past uh, a Baylor or South Carolina, depending on, on who would get there. Um, you know, let, let's start with the fact that I, I think Wisconsin has really turned a page this year. I mean, for some people, this is going to sound a little outdated and maybe a stupid statement, but I think in a lot of ways, Wisconsin has already legitimated its program this year. Um, and I, again, I know that sounds weird. They've been to three straight sweet 16s. They went to the two straight final fours just a couple of years ago, but I'd say that for two reasons. First off, beating a team like Villanova is a huge statement. It absolutely turns everyone's heads in the college basketball world gets a lot of attention and really changes the entire dynamic. That's the first thing. Second thing is Greg Gard only had one of those runs. Um, and, and really that was sort of the half season, so to speak. This is his first full season, getting them to a sweet 16, potentially an elite eight or a final four. I mean, that is going to already put him among some of the best coaches in college basketball as far as achievements go. And I, I think an important thing to remember here is, you know, Wisconsin's going to have a very interesting offseason. You know, most likely they're going to get Ethan Halfback, but this team is going to look much, much different next year. You know, Kenny's going to be gone. Vito Brown's going to be gone. Nigel Hayes will be gone. There will probably be some attrition on the roster. Showalter will be gone. This is going to be a very different-looking team next season. It, it will Half will be there. But there are going to be a lot of new faces. There are going to be a lot of guys who didn't play that much this year who are going to be playing. And specifically, you know, we saw this last year. 
Greg Gard is going to look at uh, transfers. Bo Ryan really didn't do that that much. Um, he, he wasn't a big transfer guy. I absolutely think Greg Gard will look at transfers. Um, and, I, and I think they'll probably add one this summer with, with how much depth they're losing. Um, and, and that's huge. If you're, if you're one of these huge national brands, which, again, I know the raw stuff said that Wisconsin was, but I feel like this is a year where they really turned that page. And, you know, uh, just, just four straight Sweet 16s is just uh, mind-boggling for so many reasons, you know, considering how difficult that is. And, and Wisconsin, you know, their achievements simply speak for themselves, you know, over the last few years. And uh, I, I think, you know, if they could advance any further, it, it would just be uh, really impressive. Great job from Greg Gard. And, and you would have to think that it would start to change the recruiting dynamic overall. You know, I know Wisconsin's not going to be the program that's going to reel in, you know, five, five stars every year or something. But I think, I think this is a turning point for the program in the sense that um, I, I think they're transforming into a really good program that people respect into a program that people uh, – you know, fear. They really view it as a real national contender. Um, and, and I think the Badgers have a great shot at moving on this weekend. You know, Florida's a really good team. I, 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 the Gators were in my elite eight. I think they're a really good team. They're very balanced, very good on defense, similar to Wisconsin. And I'll, I'll just say this now. I think Ethan Happ's going to have trouble in this game. I really do. I think they're going to find ways to cut off his, uh, his possessions cut off his opportunities, um, especially considering, you know, he doesn't get the opportunities himself. He has to have the ball passed into him usually. So I, I would watch out for that. But um, I, I think there's a lot on the line for the Badgers uh, coming into this weekend. And it will be interesting to see if, if they can get the job done. Um, but overall, you know, very excited for the next couple of days of college basketball. I think there's a decent, really decent shot. At least one of the big 10 teams is playing on Saturday or Sunday. And, you know, it's, it, it wouldn't be that crazy if we had one go to next week, which a lot of people did not see coming. So uh, looking forward to that. And um, with that, I, I did get a question here for the podcast that I wanted to answer. Um, it's from Clay uh, before we get off. He's asking which non-Big Ten NCAA tournament team is the most likely to make it this year and which one that made it this year is the most likely to miss it next year. Um, so non-Big Ten tourney team, who I think can make it next year, uh, most likely. I would say first, straight up, Iowa. I think it's absolutely the Hawkeyes. Really young team. They almost made it this year. Um, losing Peter Yock is going to be a, a big hit. Um, Peter Jock, excuse me. But a uh, lot of talent. Bohannon, Cook, uh, Moss, you know, even uh, Bear. There's, there's a lot to like about Iowa. Um, and frankly, if, if, if you know, one thing goes here or there this season, you know, even that Nebraska overtime loss earlier in the year, you know, maybe that Nebraska Omaha shocking, you know, shocker, maybe I was in, you know, <laughs> who knows? They were, they were relatively close to getting in this year. So I would say Iowa's the easy answer. Um, I know some people like Penn state to be there, but I, I think it's the Hawkeyes for sure. Um, team that made it this year. That's most likely to miss next year. Um, let me start by saying that I don't think any of them are super, super likely to mix, miss next year. Um, but uh, specifically, you know, Maryland has 
vast majority of the team back. Um, Northwestern has the vast majority of the team back. You know, Michigan's going to have that front court back. Purdue should have talent on the team next year. Uh, you know, Swanigan's probably going to leave. So that's going to be a, a big hit. But um, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a really tough uh, decision there. Um, I, I think I would probably go Michigan State just because I, I would assume Miles Bridges lose, leaves. Um, they are losing a couple depth guys, so to speak, on their roster. And they're probably going to be – they're going to be reliant on underclassmen next year. But I, I don't want to pick against Izzo, so I, I wouldn't pick them to miss it. But uh, I, I would probably say Michigan State, um, maybe, uh, maybe Michigan, just because they lose Walton and Irvin. Um, and then uh, after that, I, I know this is going to sound weird after what I just talked about, but maybe Wisconsin after that, just because they're losing so much. But as I said, I don't really expect any of the, these seven teams to have a, a super tough time. Most likely one will drop off, um, but it, it's hard to put your finger on right now, especially without knowing who, who's departing. But, but with that, I'll end this, uh, this podcast has been a really long one. So you guys should have plenty of content. So, so no complaining, but uh, uh, as always, you know, I'm Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at T Bendit and enjoy the sweet 16. Hopefully we'll be back with a, with a podcast, maybe early Saturday morning or something to, to talk about the elite eight, but thanks again. And we'll see you all next time.